This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. Deadline day, deadline day, deals are happening, it's deadline day. Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel 80. We are on your smart speakers. All you got to do is say play ESPN Radio. I am Chris Carlin. He is Joe Fortenbaugh. Joseph, I see you have your fish shirt on today. You are looking as good as ever. How are you? There's a gentleman named Joe. He works in the cafe here. Older guy. Mm. Great guy. Knows everyone's name. He works the checkout. Very friendly to everybody. I've gotten to know him since I moved here the last few months. I go up today. I have my oatmeal. Joe, how you doing? He looks at me. Joe, saw you on TV yesterday. Looked great. Hey, I didn't know you were a fish fan. You listen to fish? And I'm wearing the shirt. And I'm like, yeah. More importantly, you listen to fish? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've been listening to him a long time. I'm like, get a load of this freaking guy. <laughs> freaking guy so i'm making friends everywhere the fish community we are everywhere is the hashtag look at you absolutely connecting with people all over the place all over the place and it's not surprising in the least uh as we said it is nba trade deadline day we've got so much to get to especially in the super bowl why this game is actually going to come down to the most devalued position in all of football but let us first of all get you caught up with deals that have happened already. Deadline 3 p.m. today. Scott Perry, the former Nick GM, is going to pop by. Join us about an hour from now. First of all, Jazz sent Kelly Olynyk and Okai Ogbaji. No. Ohio Baji to the Raptors. For I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have been able to call that. Call you on that. No, to be honest. That's a famous Carlin screw up. Uh, <laughs> Otto Porter, twenty twenty four first round pick. Pacers send Buddy Heald to the Sixers. That's the interesting one right there. We will get into that in a moment. Uh, the Pistons sending Alec Burks and Boyan Bogdanovich to the Knicks. For Quentin Grimes, couple of future second round picks. That is among what has happened so far. Some other smaller ones. But first of all, please explain to Philadelphia 76ers to me. We have heard this the last couple of days with Brian Windhorst, who said it on this show, that he expects the Sixers to be thoroughly uh, active one to three trades by the deadline today. I, I understand the thought process, but going overboard here and trying to really make the situation a whole lot better to make Joel Embiid feel better, I I feel like that's a mistake in trying to do it in a very confined period of time as opposed to having a fresh approach during all the offseason. I don't get why you trade away your assets right now for Buddy Heald. It's very interesting because Heald's contract is expiring at the end of this year. There's nothing left. He's going to be a free agent. So I guess the hope is bring him in, get him acclimated with the organization, get him acclimated with Tyrese Maxey and the rest of the healthy players at the moment, and then when Embiid comes back, if he comes back, see if you can put something together where everyone feels good about it, and then you go out, you pay Buddy Heald, and you got another guy on the roster for next year as Embiid looks to make another run at this thing. But to your point, very fair, you're giving up assets for rentals in a year where you might not actually be contending, which seems somewhat foolish if you gave those assets up and then Heald ends up departing in free agency and Embiid never comes back for the playoff run anyway. So there's some risk here, but I think they're under the impression, big picture, they could probably keep a guy like Buddy Heald in the mix. Otherwise, they must be very optimistic that Embiid will both come back healthy and they'll be able to make a push, which seems a bit unlikely given... 
well, Boston's pretty solid. Milwaukee might figure it out. The Knicks are banged up, but they're pretty solid. Miami could catch on. Indiana's playing decent basketball. The Cavaliers are red hot. Where do you fit in the East? Well, here's how I'm reading this right now. They're much more concerned about the Embiid perception of what they are when he is back. And it's all about Embiid. Of course it is. You want to keep him as happy as you can. But is Embiid really going to look at this when he comes back and be upset that they didn't go out and add a couple of marginal players? I mean, listen, we're looking at it. Buddy Heald's three-point shooting numbers are down this season, comparatively speaking. It's at 38. It's not terrible, but he was at 43 last year. What, what I really have an issue with is trying to make these decisions all around the deadline as opposed to where I can look at a bigger picture situation. Now, but it, even if they're bringing in Heald for the expiring contract, okay, that's fine too. But I, I don't get the feeling that that's the case either. All right, think of it like this then. And this might be part of how the Sixers have analyzed this. Embiid's decision, we, we've heard he's going to be reevaluated in four weeks, and then, you know, we'll see how it goes. Come the evaluation in four weeks, if the Sixers have lost 12 of 15, for example, they're falling apart, everyone's bummed out, what's the incentive for Embiid to come back? It's very, very low. So he might just decide, you know what, we're done, season's a wash, now everyone's going to try to keep him from asking for a trade or anything like that. You bring in a guy like Heald, you improve what you have now. You tread water until it beads evaluation. Maybe you go 8-8 eight and eight over the next 16, and you maintain the 5-6 seed. Suddenly, Embiid's looking at that saying, all right, look, I'm feeling pretty good. They say I can be back in two weeks. This is maybe after the four-week evaluation, so six weeks out. Maybe I can get back. I'm feeling pretty good. We're in contention. All we need to do is avoid the Boston side of the bracket, like Bobby Marks was telling us yesterday. We get in the playoffs, we make a little noise, because, again, there's vulnerability here. Boston has shown a lot of issues with late-game management and closing out big series. Cleveland, can they do it? Last year in a seven-game series against the Knicks, they didn't have the toughness. Low T, as some would say. Not <laughs> testosterone, toughness. Low T on behalf of the Cleveland Cavaliers. Milwaukee's got defensive issues, and they're not winning under Doc Rivers. The Knicks are banged up, and honestly, let's. there are a lot of questions about whether or not they can make a deep run. The Pacers have defensive issues. Miami's floundering right now. No one's going to buy into Orlando just yet. The Bulls are a mess. The Hawks are a mess. The Nets are a mess. You look around, getting in as a six seed, you could make noise. But the Buddy Heald acquisition could be Philadelphia's way of saying he's enough to help us tread water so that when Embiid's ready, he wants to come back because we're still in it. We haven't yeah. been eliminated yet. No, listen, I, I understand that. I get all of that. It's just, it feels a little short-sighted to me if that is what they are thinking about. I really, either that or... Listen, clearly the Sixers have better knowledge about what's going on with Embiid than we do. But it almost says to me, they have information saying that Embiid's going, he's not going to ask out after this year, but we got to make sure that we don't tick him off in the process. Do you think he's quietly done what Giannis did very loudly, which was the, we'll see about the extension, but I want to compete for championships. Milwaukee hears this. Milwaukee goes out and acquires Damian Lillard. Yeah. Giannis signs the extension. Everyone's happy until, you know, the season apparently isn't going according to plan, but that's to be figured out later. Maybe Embiid quietly behind the scenes. Hey, I'm supposed to compete with this guy in the East every single year. Boston's a threat. This guy says he wants help. They immediately go get him Dame Lillard. What are you going to get me? Because you know behind the scenes they wanted Dame. They would have loved to have Dame Lillard in Philadelphia. It just wasn't going to work. So maybe quietly Embiid saying, look, I'm going to give you guys another shot. But 
after that, if you can't do anything to improve this situation, I'm going to go somewhere. I'm going to do it on my own. That's what he might be thinking to your point, which is why you're seeing this move for Buddy Hield right now. It's not a huge splash, but it's them saying, look, we are committed. Give us time. We will put this together for you. Okay. A couple of other deals that we should get into real quick. No, that's the only deal. Nothing Sorry. else. Uh, Alec Burks, Boyan Bogdanovich to the Knicks. Kind of love this. Yeah? Kind of love this. This one gets you excited, huh? Here's why. Knicks have added some shooting that they really needed. Bogdanovich has only got one more year on his deal. Uh, next year... You've got, and he's, he obviously is, a, a, you know, a north of 40% three-point shooter for his career. Alec Burks can shoot it a little bit. He's up after this season. They're giving up Evan Fournier, uh, Quentin Grimes, uh, and what else? A couple of picks. Nick's, uh, a lot of seconds flying second around Second round picks. Anyone notice all those seconds flying around? Someone yeah. should start a website. NBA second round playoff tracker. Yeah. Malachi Flint. Like, Brilliant you know, idea. There will be people that will be screaming up about quitting Grimes, but the Knicks fan base has always been famous for you know, just clinging to this these mid-level guys. And they just wait. They're going to pan out. They're going to be tremendous players or really good role players. Knicks got better with this move and went out and added Daniel House as well. Now, you're looking at that from the Nick perspective. Is it possible Detroit made that deal because they're 7-43 and 43 and they're about to go on a run? <laughs> <laughs> you were about to... Look at you. You didn't even hear the end well, of the well, because yeah. You were about to give real analysis to that BS question. Yeah, I was. <laughs> and I saw you ready to launch into that, and then the it kicked in. <laughs> uh, what'd you say, F? Dan, uh, House is going to the Pistons. Yeah, they're making moves. Pistons oh, are going to make a Knicks. run at this I'm sorry. Things. I'm sorry. House is going to the Pistons via the Knicks uh, in a second-round pick there, too. Quietly, not a fan of the Pistons right now. 7-43 and 43 when they were wallowing away. I bet, Quietly? I bet under – well, now it's loudly. <laughs> I bet under 9.5 wins on the season, and they're by their standards, they're red hot right now. They've won three of their last ten. Well, Evan Fournier is a nice, big, fat, expiring contract, so yeah. I don't think you need to let's, worry let's all that Let's go much. ahead and take it easy there, Detroit. No right. sense in putting the, the foot all the way down on the throttle there. Does this do anything for you with Oklahoma City? We talked about this with Bobby yesterday. What could the Thunder do in terms of adding a veteran to that young group? It's an expiring contract also. Gordon Hayward to the Thunder uh, for Davis Bertans and Trey Mann. Uh, that deal happened with Charlotte. I feel like I haven't watched Hayward play since he was at Butler. And then a little bit with the Celtics, and then that was it. You go to Charlotte, Joe Fortinball is not catching a lot of you on TV. I'm going to be honest. 14 points, four boards this season. He's played 25 games. Is he healthy? What's the All situation he's been there? is hurt in the last few years. Everyone in Charlotte has been sitting, resting, refusing to play. Kyle Lowry got traded there. He was just not reporting to the team as some of these guys will do in these spots. I don't know. I mean, I like what Oklahoma City's doing. Get a veteran presence in there. Hayward's been deep into the playoffs before. That Oklahoma City team, to Bobby's point yesterday, there's a difference between having a great regular season and then being able to navigate a seven-game series. Hayward's the type of guy where they might need a presence like that in the locker room, someone who can chip in here and there in spurts as the team tries to make a run. I don't dislike it, but again, haven't watched a lot of Hayward basketball in the last few years. I don't hate it, and especially don't hate it because if it doesn't work, he's out anyway. $31.5 million expiring after this season. And OKC has like a 1,000 picks. What did he say yesterday? What did Mark say yesterday? That 11 21 teams. second round picks? Yes. 22 second round like picks. four rosters. And how many tradable, 11 tradable first round picks? And they're good. Very rarely do you have a really good team and all those picks. Having all those picks usually means you stink 
Or Well, they did stink for a long time to help get those picks with all their trades. I mean, think about the opposite. The Lakers stink and have no picks. Oklahoma City's good and has all the picks. And the Lakers are ready to trade away their last pick they can trade. LeBron to the Pistons. Maybe Detroit's going to make the move. LeBron to the Thunder. Yeah. LeBron to the Pistons. That's a move to make the run. LeBron goes to the Thunder. People are going to be... People are going to be very upset with that. Carlin versus Joe, Sirius XM Channel 80 on ESPN Radio. We are just getting rolling. Oh, yeah, there's the Super Bowl two, And there is the fact that so much is really based on a position that nobody wants to pay for. And more on the deadline, former Nick GM Scott Perry will be joining us in studio a little less than an hour from now. So, yeah, we're loaded, and you're right where you need to be. So keep it right here. It's Carlin versus Joe, presented by Progressive Insurance on ESPN Radio and TuneIn. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network. All lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results. Fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence, knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. going to catch him. McCaffrey takes it to the house. I think he's the most complete back in football. It's just a matchup nightmare. Who's the best running back in the game? I am. Hand off McCaffrey right into the end zone. I'm not going to sit here and give MVP talk, but Chris McCaffrey is one of the best running backs in the entire league. Look, we can spend a lot of time on all the different aspects of this game, but it is going to boil down to the running back position. Carlin versus Joe. ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who switch and save with Progressive save nearly $750 on average. And listen, the league and everybody else can downplay running backs all they want right now. We today are having two running backs on. We are going to talk about exactly how this game 
can influence the perception of the position in the league. And Joe, when I look Let at, me jump in real quick. Yeah. Nobody loves running backs like this show right here. Exactly. Carlin versus Joe, the people's show, long the people's position, the running back position. Much maligned going yeah. back to the summer. More on that in a moment. This show loves the running back position. You're going to find out about that today. People are all about three yards in a cloud of dust. They don't want to be entertained. That's this show. That's exactly. this show. We are three yards, a cloud of dust. We're behind the sticks. We got to send in a whole new personnel group at second and seven. <laughs> It's just a disaster. Next thing you know, it's third and 13, and we're we're in big trouble. This show is the Baltimore Ravens opening drive against Kansas City in the AFC Championship game. Well, look. A one-yard run, a three-yard run, a dropped pass, game over. Do you think this Super Bowl could actually change the narrative around running backs? I think we could talk about it. Yeah, I think so. Because if you look at the game plans for how to attack each defense, the running backs are going to have to play a big part of this game. There's, I, I don't see a game playing out where it's Purdy and Mahomes in an aerial shootout and the running backs are just playing a complementary role, a supporting role, if you will, as Oscar season is upon us. I see this being a game where if you are San Francisco, you are going to run the ball early and run the ball often. What kind of idiot watches what just happened in the AFC Championship game with Baltimore and then says, you know what? I like that plan. I'm going to throw that ball. I'm going to come out here with Brock Purdy and I'm going to throw that ball all over the lot against a team that completely, completely shut down the Baltimore Ravens because they're so good with the pass. Like, Why, why would you even consider that? Shanahan loves to run. The key to beating the Chiefs is running the ball. You have the best running back in the game. What am I missing? On the other side of the equation, Patrick Mahomes needs all the help he can get. That wide receiving unit is suspect at best. The Niners are going to key George Kittle. Isaiah Pacheco, outside runs. Run to the tackle, run out to the outside. That is how you beat the Niners. Jameer Gibbs was doing it. Teams Aaron Jones did it with the one big run he had. That's how you attack the Niners. I think both running backs have to have big games if either team's going to win. And here's the thing. People will look at Pacheco, they'll hear about the running style, and he's a tough runner inside and all that stuff. Love guys that run like that. He reminds me of Marion Barber. Remember him? Oh, yeah. But remember this about Pacheco. He ran a 4-3 at the combine. Yeah. The dude can fly. So he can get to the edge, even though you have very fast linebackers uh, in the 49ers. So I, I firmly believe that Pacheco is going to be a big factor in this game. And as far as McCaffrey's concerned, he was asked about it this week. The idea that running backs, uh, the narrative can change based on what happens in this game. I think I've seen running backs that aren't in the playoffs that are the most valuable players on their team. I've seen running backs in the playoffs that are extremely talented and have a lot of value. Um, this is such a team sport. You know, it's the biggest team game on the planet. Uh, and I think uh, to, to say that it's because of one player that a team wins the Super Bowl is just not true. I don't think that's ever been true. Um, but I see value in, in running backs all over the league. To his point, we're going to talk to Saquon Barkley later in the show. Saquon Barkley, if you listen to Kayvon Thibodeau earlier this year, people in the locker room, including Thibodeau, were kind of annoyed that Daniel Jones got paid before Saquon Barkley did. Because that team recognizes who that offense runs through yes sir and so when you talk about the continued downplaying of an offense don't you have to at some point factor in all right hang on a second this dude's our best player now i'm not going to sit there and say that that's the case when it comes to pacheco and mahomes 
but I will say it when it comes to McCaffrey and Purdy right now. And McCaffrey got paid like people should at the position. I'm not advocating that everybody gets paid. I'm advocating that the ones who are special absolutely do. Absolutely do. Well, look at where we're at right now. Final four teams in the hunt for the Super Bowl. The Niners have the best running back in the NFL. They faced the Lions, who used a very high draft pick on Jameer Gibbs, and Jameer Gibbs was very, very good. Do not just focus on the fumble if you're listening to this right now. Yeah, it was a bad fumble. That does not discount the fact that he was very good this season. In the AFC, Isaiah Pacheco, who's been running like a freak, against Baltimore, the number one rushing offense in the NFL. A lot of that has to do with Lamar Jackson, but the Ravens love to run, and one of their offseason priorities is to address the running back position because they have been too banged up in recent years. They know the value of it. Two other side stories. One, Saquon Barkley and this little nugget about Jim Harbaugh saying Saquon's going to be a priority in free Mm. agency. He wants to go get Saquon Barkley to pair with Justin Herbert. How often do you hear about head coaches talking about running backs in the free agent market and how they want to go target them? We hear about receivers. We certainly hear about pass rushers and offensive tackles. We do not hear about running backs almost ever. So I think between some of the narrative of what teams are going to be looking to address this offseason, what we've seen in the Final Four, the position is having a hell of a year after the season started in August with everyone on Sports Talk Radio discussing, has the running back position been devalued? Has the running back position been devalued? That's all we discussed because of the franchise tags to Austin Eckler, who's going to be a free agent, to Saquon Barkley, all that stuff. The running back's had a hell of a year. Do you look at this game like I do, and believe that this game is going to be determined by the running backs? I think the team that has more success running the ball wins the game. Yeah, that's what I would say. If that's a way of answering your question, I think the Niners being able to dictate Niners over under for rushing attempts in this game is 26 and a half. Mm-hmm. It's a big number. It is a big number. We're going to break that down because that is going to be one of the props we give out this week. We're playing the over, a little spoiler there, but we'll give you the details later. McCaffrey's rushing prop is like 18 and a half. Purdy's is like two and a half. Debo's around two and a half to three and a half. If the Niners aren't able to run the ball, they're not winning this game. And if the Chiefs aren't able to run the ball, then that means they're just going to have Mahomes, what, sling it all over the field to a bunch of wide receivers who aren't any good? I know they've got Kelsey and Rasheed Rice, but Dan Orlovsky broke it down on ESPN Bet Live, a special edition today, ESPN 2, 3 p.m. Eastern, to break down all the trade deadline action. 3 p.m. Eastern. We're going to be there. I'm going to be running over. We're going blazer jeans today. I'm not going to do the full changeover because I don't have the time. Oh, look at you. A little sampler for everybody. A little sampler for the people. A little corporate casual there for the jokes. But he talked about how Rasheed Rice has gotten better. You know why? Because they just have him running straight routes. That's it. They don't want to make it too complicated for him. Just running straight routes, right? That doesn't really sound like a very versatile wide receiver to me, so it's limited. They've got to be able to run the ball to keep their defense rested because Shanahan's going to want his offense out there for 35 minutes in this game. Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 80, and on your smart speakers. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. My friends, what goes into preparing to play quarterback in a Super Bowl? One of the all-time greats, Drew Brees, joins us to answer that question. It's next on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code FIRSTTAKE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more, more than, than ever. ever. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to gamble responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. This U.S. promotional offer not available in D.C., Mississippi, North Carolina, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 for New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. For Massachusetts, 1-800-327-5050. For Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. For Puerto Rico, 1-800-981-0023. For West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. In partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Taking on the Chiefs with Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant. This is the big game within the big game. Can Brock Purdy handle the pressure that's coming at him from the Kansas City Chiefs? He's a great football player. He makes a lot of flashy plays. He makes all the the right plays. Can he handle the moment? A win here over Patrick Mahomes, of all people, is going to dramatically change the way people look at him. Look, there is no doubt that when you look at Brock Purdy, people still have their doubts, but this could go in an entirely different direction that we haven't even really considered yet with him. It's Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio. Brock Purdy could have a massive, massive game in the Super Bowl, and it would completely change everybody's expectations of him in the future but quarterback especially leading up to the Super Bowl there is so many demands on their time and it's got to be very difficult to get ready for the game and for that we bring in an expert on the topic it is Drew Brees he is a Super Bowl champion he is of course headed to Canton and he is joining us right now on ESPN Radio. Drew, it's Chris Carlin and Joe Fortenbaugh. We appreciate your time. Let's just start right here. When you were getting ready for the Super Bowl, with all the demands that are on your time from media and otherwise leading up to the game, what went into that week that was helping you prepare for the biggest game of your life, in essence? You know, honestly, the best advice I got going into the week of Super Bowl preparation was finding a quiet place in the hotel or wherever you could find it, where you could just get away from everything and just kind of be in your thoughts. Because, you know, it's as much as you're trying to make it like a normal week of preparation, there's just so many other things and so many other demands on your time, right? You've got 
the media day and you've got, you know, just all the hoopla that's in and around the Super Bowl, right? Which is which is great, the attention on it, but at the same time, you're trying to get ready to go play your best and, and win a football game for your team and win the championship. So I think kind of finding that place where I knew I could go and it was quiet, I could prepare, I could study, I could just go through my routine, that was that was crucial. You guys took out the Indianapolis Colts in Miami for your Super Bowl win. One of the most iconic plays was when you started the second half with the onside kick that you recovered. Did you guys know that week in practice that that's how you were going to open the second half if you had that opportunity? Yeah. we we uh, The week before that, Sean Payton basically came into a team meeting and he said, all right, we've got this onside kick. We're calling it ambush, and it's not a matter of if, it's when we're calling it. So he just put us all on notice right away that we were going to pull out all the stops, that we weren't playing conservative, we were going to play aggressive, and we were going to do whatever it took to win that game. And it just happened to be that right, you know, going into halftime, we had the momentum at that point. You know, we had we were down 10 nothing in the first quarter, and then we clawed back, got two field goals, one right before half. So it was 10-6. And we were, you know, and then we were kicking the ball off coming out the second half. And I remember walking in the locker room. And it's a long halftime. It's about 30 minutes, you know. And Sean Payton says, all right, ambush. And so, you know, everybody just starts kind of spreading around the locker room. Hey, ambush is coming. Ambush is coming. And so we, you know, I, I think it just instilled a lot of confidence, you know, because everybody knew it wasn't a matter of if, it was when. And we had to make it work. We had to. Um, and it did. Thankfully, <laughs> <laughs> Drew Brees with us. I mean, you talk about you know uh, pulling out all the stops because that all of a sudden could turn into a disaster too if it goes the wrong way. It's amazing you take that big of a swing in that spot, which is a momentum change one way or the other. Now, no matter how you slice it. Yeah, but here's the thing, you know, with you know that that, that Peyton Manning led Indianapolis Colts offense was one of the most prolific offenses in history, right? And so I think in Sean Peyton's mind. He's like, whether we give it to Peyton at the 20 or our own 40, he's probably going to score anyway. So <laughs> it's worth the gamble. Let's, let's so let's get, an extra, let's get an extra possession <laughs> or two, absolutely. Did you, um, did you, you're speaking of Peyton, did you find it interesting at all that it's not, it didn't work out great with him and Russell Wilson this past year? Um, you know, I... I think just from my, you know, my observations from, from watching uh, them play this year was, you know, I, 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 I know the standard that, that Sean has set with the offense, you know, and, and I know the hallmarks of a Sean Payton offense in regards to tempo, in and out of the huddle, timing, rhythm, you know, kind of the, the, the just the flow of what that offense should look and feel like. And, um, I, I def- definitely felt like it was, it was not kind of what, what I would expect. And, and so I think early on, I felt like, you know, it, obviously it's a new relationship. You know, everybody's kind of getting to know each other. Um, Russell's learning the offense. There's a lot of new faces. Um, and, you know, will it improve? And, you know, unfortunately, I think it, it didn't to the, to, to the point where, you know, everybody felt like maybe that's a long-term solution. So seems like they're parting ways. Um, I think Russell brings tremendous value, you know, uh, wherever he goes. I think it's, 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 you know, needs to be the right fit, the right system, um, and you know, Sean will will find will find the guy that you know he's he's looking for to to kind of fit that offense. You talk about tempo and pace as a quarterback. So, 
when that's the case, what Sean wants to do there, is it just speeding up the entire process and, you know, maybe Russ wasn't as good as, as getting the whole thing together and getting it going as quickly as he would like, whether that's to get more plays? What was it in, in that regard? You know, look, I'm not privy to, to, to what was what was going on on a weekly basis or behind the scenes. Um, but I just I just know, you know, look, my, my relationship with Sean was, was formed over 15 years, right? I mean, we were together for a very long time, and our offense evolved significantly over that period of time. And, and, and look, the week of preparation was such a collaboration with us. You know, talking about the things that we were seeing on film, the things that we liked, you know, I was always trying to understand why or, or when he would be calling certain plays or concepts, you know, because I always wanted to anticipate what was going to come out of his mouth. Um, and also, too, you know, like, <laughs> I mean, look, the headset goes out at times, you know, and this and that, and like, based on our conversations during the week, like, I'd have to call plays, you know, without necessarily getting in the headset. And I'd want to know, hey, th- I, this, is what, this is what Sean would be thinking. This is what Sean would, would, would want. Based on the personnel who's in the game, this is, this is how we're trying to attack him, you know. And so there's just there's, there's such a, a strong relationship that needs to exist between head coach, play caller, and quarterback and and yeah that just it just takes some time drew Brees, super bowl champ joining us here carlin versus joe espn radio for a month guys like us have been having these discussions about brock purdy is he a game manager is he a game changer is he an mvp candidate like all this stuff you played the position at the highest possible level for a very long time what are your thoughts you see brock purdy you see the niner offense what do you make of him well I'd say this, the, the, what, what, what Shanahan and John Lynch have, have architected with that team is, is outstanding. Um, I mean, for the last five years, those guys have been to, what, four NFC Championship games, two Super Bowls. I mean, they're, they, they've done a lot right. They've drafted very, very well. They've built their team from the, the line, D-line, O-line. Um, they've, they've, they've made some very strategic acquisitions at the skill positions, going out and getting Christian McCaffrey. Are you kidding me? You know? Um, so... They've done some really great things personnel-wise. Um, the offensive system is is I, 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 it's it's revolutionized kind of modern day offense with all the shifts and motions and the, the the zone run game and then the play action that you're able to build off that. I mean, it's outstanding. It really is. But it does take a quarterback that can manage and handle all of that stuff. It's a huge responsibility. All the shifts and motions, the timing that go along with it, like it's not easy. Um, What's impressed me most, of, most about Brock Purdy is there's a poise and a confidence to him that is very unique for a guy who's only in his second year. Now, what would I credit that to? The guy started 47 games in, in college at, at a school that, you know, Iowa State was most of the time when they stepped on the field, they were the underdog, right? But you just develop a chip on your shoulder. You develop this, a little bit of this kind of wiring in your system, like, man, I got something to prove all the time. And I got to play my best in order for us to win. And I got to lead these guys and I got to inspire them and, and I got to be my best. Right. And so I, I think he's always operated that way. Um, you know, our statures are very similar. Me and Brock. Um, yeah. I think we play the game very similar. Um, it's timing and rhythm with the passing game. Um, your feet are always talking to you. You know, you're, you're, it's a, it's a progression based offense. You know, it's, you know, first progression, 
expect, you know, your next hitch goes to your second. Man, know where your outlets are. Get it on the perimeter to your guys. Don't take sacks. Don't take negative plays. I think what, what impressed me the most about last week in Brock Purdy was the guy won that game with his legs. He took off on three different occasions on these big run plays that, that kept drives alive and resulted in points and, and, and really staged that whole comeback and just electrified that stadium. And, and honestly, I think that was that just showed me that this guy went outside the system to go win the game, right? He did something that nobody expected and I think showed a, a side to his game that people probably didn't realize he was that athletic. The dude's athletic. <laughs> the guy can make plays, and he can do whatever it takes to win, and, and uh, he's, he's got his team inspired. Drew Brees with us. Are what are you up to today, Drew? Well, I'm sitting here at uh, Media Row in Vegas. Um, I'm with FedEx, um, FedEx Air and Ground Players of the Year. Um, they've done for a very long time. I actually had the pleasure of winning this award four times when I was a player at FedEx Air, and I'm proud to announce the winners this year. And it is Brock Purdy, his FedEx Air Player of the Year, and Christian McCaffrey. Wow. FedEx Ground Player of the Year. Big year for the Niners. First time ever that uh, teammates have won the award the same year. So we'll see if that's foreshadowing for the game on Sunday. But actually, um, as a result of this, FedEx will be donating $20,000 on behalf of each player to the HBCU of their choice for scholarship programs for deserving students, which is tremendous. Oh, that's awesome. But I got to say, it really would have been cool if you had come on, uh, absolutely destroyed Purdy when we asked you about him, and then handed him the FedEx Player of the Year. Yeah, that's a mistake there, Drew. <laughs> no, that's, that's not my style. I like you guys so much. Hey, Drew, we appreciate the time, man. Thanks so much. Yep, no worries. Thanks, guys. Drew Brees, of course, he is future Hall of Famer, no doubt. And uh, that would have been good. Uh, you know what, Purdy? Not that good. Game manager, Game manager. absolutely. Game manager is a By compliment way, for that bum. He's got the FedEx Air Player of the Year. <laughs> Carla versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel 80. We were surprised. We all were that the Cowboys kept Mike McCarthy. So was one of the greatest Cowboys of all time, and he is none too pleased that he's still in place. You'll hear about it next after I tell you about this from our friends over at Indeed. Now, it's the perfect time to gear up and connect to quality candidates. There's no better way to do that than through Indeed the hiring platform that makes it easy to attract, screen, and interview candidates all in the same place. Their interview tool helps you schedule and conduct video interviews right from your employer dashboard. Next to hassle, start hiring. Indeed.com slash credit. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, 
Who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Carlin versus Joe. Super Bowl 58. Pizza money. Prop of the day. Pizza, pizza. All right, we'll go ahead and recap all the Super Bowl props we've been laying out this week tomorrow in our Super Bowl prop betting extravaganza. Mm. But we're going to throw you one right now. It's Brandon Ayuk. Niner wide receiver under four and a half receptions. It's juicy. It's minus 150, but here's the key. He's drawing Kansas City cornerback Legereus Sneed. Sneed's been locking down everybody this season. If you're Brock Purdy, why are you going to throw at the best corner playing in this game when you have George Kittle, Debo Samuel, and Christian McCaffrey elsewhere on the field with more favorable matchups? In addition, San Francisco wants to run the ball. Right, They want to run the ball in this game so the opportunities could be limited. And on the Kansas City side of the equation, the opportunities should be limited somewhat as well because they want to run too. Ayuk, five or more receptions in nine of 19 games. That's not even half. Only three catches in each playoff game. Pizza Money, Super Bowl Prop Edition. Brandon Ayuk under four and a half receptions, minus 150. Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, and on the iHeartRadio app as well. Emmett Smith this morning plenty of strong commentary regarding the Cowboys and where they are at different points called them lost and was really disappointed in what was going on with Mike McCarthy. Listen to his interview this morning with the folks from Unsportsman like with Evan, uh, Canty and Michelle. To be honest, I am a little surprised uh, all because of the way things ha- has transpired over the last three years. Removing Kellen as the OC and taking over the controls of the offense and so forth. Uh, I am a little surprised. The way we exited it, the playoff this year was not – it was not a good look, put it that way. And it was somewhat embarrassing. It lends you to believe that either uh, we're not trained or coached properly. Wow. We're not trained or coached properly. I also heard him make some other comments uh, that basically Jerry and the Cowboys – are much more interested in the marketing of the team rather than having a great team. In other words, we we as an organization, he still talks himself about himself in we terms with the Cowboys, are presenting ourselves as we're going to be a great team, yet we keep losing in the playoffs. We're not a great team. This is interesting because Emmett's got options in interviews like this. You'll notice this through Radio Row, right? All these famous former players are, they're all pitching products. We've talked about this, and they're doing interviews all over the place. They're asked a lot of tough questions at times to see if they'll say something that'll go viral, right? They have the ability to just dodge them. Well, you know, I can only control what I can control. Things like that. Or, you know what, I thought Mike did a, has done a really nice job. You know, um, is he perfect? No. Do the Cowboys need some work? Yes. But I'm pretty confident that he's going to get it figured out. And then everyone moves on. Yep. He had that opportunity, and he passed on that. Emmett Smith decided he was going to go ahead, and he was going to give you a very honest answer. And his very honest answer, without being evasive in any way, shape, or form, was to let everyone know he doesn't think Mike McCarthy should be the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. That's saying something right there. That it's is gotta, saying something. It's got to feel good to get paid to just absolutely hammer somebody. I like the honesty, <laughs> but I like the honesty, right? Yeah, I, like he's, if you're a Cowboy fan, you probably like the honesty too. Thank you, Emmett, for saying what all of us have been thinking. Why is Mike McCarthy back if the team embarrassed themselves in the playoffs against the Green Bay Packers? Well, if you think about it, some of the other famous Cowboys 
have not been shy about saying things like this. Aikman hasn't been shy about saying things like this. Michael Irvin has not been shy about saying things like this. The only guy who's seemingly, you know, feeling like the Cowboys are super close is Tony Romo. And, you know, what am I going to expect out of Romo at this point? Romo is just a leaf in the breeze these days. Just, Just going with the wind. Going with the wind. Anyway, point being... It's got to be hard for Jerry to hear these things, but at the same time, they don't seem to mean anything to him. When you have guys that built the championship pedigree since you owned the team, and they are outwardly telling you that you are screwing this up by not trying to fix it, how do you not pay attention to that? Because I have to believe it's been before this year that he's heard that. It, it, But the thing is, this is where the disconnect happens because we all get frustrated with this. How can Jerry do this if it's so obvious? Jerry keeps score in a much different way than we do. We keep score by looking at the team saying, you're not a legitimate Super Bowl contender, you failed. Jerry keeps score by saying, I own the most popular and the most lucrative team in professional football, possibly all of professional sports. Nobody wants to hear that, dude. But that, to him, is the scoreboard. Money, power, prestige. Oh, the team didn't win a Super Bowl? Who who cares? Who cares? So what? I'd like to win a Super Bowl, yes, but I have the most valuable property. That is what makes him the number one owner in the NFL in his eyes. That's the scoreboard. He's not competing with, like, Andy Reid. That's beneath him. He's not competing with Mahomes. Mahomes is an employee of the Kansas City Chiefs. He's competing with Stan Kroenke for value. He's competing with Bob Kraft, with Jeffrey Lurie, the Mara family. That's who Jerry Jones is competing with. And in Jerry Jones's eyes, he is winning because his franchise is the biggest, the baddest, the most expensive, the most lucrative, the most prestigious, and the one that gets more run on first take than any other franchise. Well, that's got to be incredibly misguided when you consider who put him in that position. And I know Jerry believes fully 100% he put himself in that position, but the people who are paying you and making you incredibly rich are the ones that are feeling that way. The people who, in essence, really built that stadium for you. And and another thing I want to throw out here, this idea that Bill Belichick, his presence looms large over the Dallas season, that's bullcrap. That's complete bullcrap. You had a chance to hire Belichick. You passed. You're not going to suddenly go about face halfway through the season if McCarthy doesn't get it right. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio.